millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Coming up on this week's show, NBC releases more details about its coverage of the Premier League, our thoughts on La Liga's virtual fans experiment, MLS changes Orlando tournament to try to make it entertaining, Serie A and Coppa Italia comes home to ESPN, plus we have letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. I'm Christopher Harris, aka The Gaffer. And this week, I'm proud to say I'm joined by my guest co-host, Nick Webster, formerly of Fox Soccer. Um, many of you might know him from Fox Football Phone-In and lots of the, the, the great Fox productions from the past. Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks, Chris, and uh, very excited. I'm counting down just seven days to go. <laughs> That's right. It, this has been a long three months. You, 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 there's always that summer break where you have, you mean, the season ends and then you've got like what, July and August to kind of just you mean, catch up on different things. But usually what happens, you know better than anyone, is it's either Copa America, it's the Euros, it's the Olympics. You mean, it's all or summer friendlies. So there is no break. And this has been probably the longest break I can ever remember. This feels like it, it would have been back in the 1980s or back in the 1990s when you had that long summer with just cricket on television and that was about it you're bored stiff so what have you been up to these last few months to keep yourself uh, sane well well I, I would equate it back to the 1940s when uh, world war ii came along and football was stopped throughout the world because uh, yeah. you know like you say i mean look the the industry now i mean let's be honest it's, it's a 12 months a year industry uh players get very little time off so you know in some respects i think they're uh, they're probably very happy for uh, the chance to rejuvenate their bodies and and get a, a lot of physical as well as mental rest. Uh, me, myself, no mental rest. I've been working on a master's degree um, on leadership and organization, and I'm right in the midst of a paper on the mentality of how to win a soccer game. So any of your listeners interested in a very, very long 40-page paper, um, Give them my uh, email address and I'll send it to them. It makes for some good bedtime reading. Yeah, definitely. It could be, for, for some people, a good sleeping aid. For others, it could be like a really deep dive into kind of the the inside of football, or the, the mental side. So so we'll get to, in a little bit, Nick, we'll get to talking about some of the other things you've been up to lately too. 
But first of all, let's talk about um, what we've been watching from this past week. And, and like you said, too, next week, of course, the Premier League is coming back. We'll have some news in a little bit about uh, the TV coverage plans. But for you from the past week, um, what stands out? What things have you watched that uh, you thought was uh, uh, worth noting? Well, really, it's, it's been the last three weeks uh, with the Germany back in action. Uh, you know, I've tried to take in as many games as possible from the Bundesliga. And, of course, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, we had the uh, German Cup semifinals. And I've actually, I've been, I've been, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of the Bundesliga anyway. And uh, I think the uh, quality of football, the, the technical excellence is outstanding. And obviously, Bayern and, and Borussia Dortmund are the cream of the crop. Um, just the... The ability and uh, just the, the the simplicity of their football is is really quite breathtaking, and you don't really um, quite understand how they do it. And these last three weeks without fans has allowed me to really concentrate just purely on the game because there's no other distractions. Yeah, and. And they both, both Borussia and, uh, and and Bayern, just play a very simple game. There's 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 nothing uh, over elaborate about it. But they 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 do everything. They do the basics better than any other teams in the uh, in the German division. Yeah. And so it's yeah. been it's been a, a thrill to watch. To be honest with you. Yeah, and Bayern too. That they seem to be so disciplined that uh, even from the back they're very strong too. So of course they score lots of goals up up top. But uh, it just seems to be almost a unstoppable team in in the Bundesliga. Now when it gets to the Champions League and we see the Bayern Munichs of the world and the Dortmunds of the world, etc., um, play in the European competitions, then it becomes a different ball game uh, you mean the teams get opened up a little bit there's some you see some vulnerabilities and it's difficult I mean I enjoy watching the Bundesliga too and it's been a godsend the last uh, couple of months since what May 16th watching these games um, and enjoying it and, and learning more about the different cities learning more about the different players I mean seeing Kai Havertz and other players just rise and seeing all this talent you mean Jaden Sancho and you, you, go, you go down the list but but it's interesting though too, Nick, because this week, I mean, those German Cup games midweek, uh, it was the DFB uh, Pokal uh, German Cup, and so it's not the Bundesliga specifically. It's it's the the DFB, which is the uh, even the Football Federation from Germany, and I guess the DFB feed um, there was no artificial crowd noise at all. So you had Adrian Healy and Taylor Twelman commentating both of the games on on Tuesday and Wednesday, also uh, doing the hosting. Um, in the studio too, and to me, I haven't had a chance to ask you about this yet, Nick. But but to me, it's just such a, a, a drop <laughs> in energy levels. I mean, going to watching a match, I mean, behind the closed doors with no crowd noise at all, and it, and to me, as the game wore on, it became less and less interesting. I, I, I guess in some ways, it didn't help from the Tuesday game being uh, Saarbrücken not being as good, of course, as uh, Leverkusen. But uh, I was disappointed by those midweek games. And, and I think part of it, part of it was the crowd noise. But the other part of it, and I, I love uh, Adrian Healy. I, don't, I have nothing bad to say about him. But he's very kind of bland, very monotone, not a good conf, uh, conversationalist, not kind of a, a John Champion or, or an Ian Dark where you get the best out of Taylor Twelman. Just more just matter of fact, pretty boring at the end of the day. What's your take, uh, Nick, on what you heard 
um, from the commentary and kind of just just the whole production of it? Well, I think I think you know, look, ha- having obviously worked in the production side of the piece myself and had the opportunity to call games from stadiums and calling it from the studio, obviously two completely different worlds. When you're calling it from the studio, you're watching the same feed as everybody else. So it really does test you as a knowledgeable commentator of the game from a tactical point of view, because there's so much going on that you can't see calling it from, you know, the studio. And so, uh, you know, in some respects, you'd love more from Twelman because he does have that player's eye and will have an idea of the, the things that are going on off, off camera. Mm-hmm. Now, because he's the color commentator, he really doesn't get to have that opportunity. You know, I, I don't know what uh, Healy's background is in terms of playing and coaching and not that that is a, a an arbiter of whether he's a good commentator or not. Um, but I think also, you know, not having the crowd and, and, and it's when you're when you're working from the, the studio, the crowd really lets you know what's going on. You know, they can they they just their energy can make a game absolutely fascinating or like you say, very, very boring. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see the uh, Saarbrücken game, but I did watch the uh, Frankfurt Bayern game, and I thought the first half was actually pretty boring because Bayern were just so dominant. It wasn't even funny. It wasn't even a game. But then about 15 minutes into the second half, there was a couple of, you know, I thought uh, rather tasty challenges, and the the players started generating their own atmosphere. Um, and it, and, it, and it really, it started to feel, I mean, I, I know some of you muse may go, what's Webster talking about? But it started to feel like a proper game. Yep. Um, and, and, and I really enjoyed it until Bayern got their, you know, second goal and then just basically did what Bayern did and kept the ball and, and you know, made it very difficult for, for Frankfurt. Um, you know, I think, I think even from the players' perspective, uh, you know, we, we've been looking at the stats, Chris, and... Home advantage doesn't make any difference now. You know, the, the away team in, in, in Germany is, is getting more of the wins. Um, now, whether that is because the away team's the better team, uh, I think uh, we, we need to see more data to, uh, to get a realistic um, uh, picture of that. But, you know, I think that, you know, the, the players, they're getting on with it. They're not talking to the ref as much. When fouls occur, we're not seeing players roll around and try and, and try and con the referee, try and excite the crowd because the crowd's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. So in, in some respects, it's, it's football as it used to be. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I, the, the, the lack of crowd is going to be really interesting to see, obviously, the Premier League because the, the, one of the big selling points of the Premier League is, is, is the crowd and how it drives the game forward. So, um, yes, more to be revealed in that regard. Yeah, and we saw that too at the end of that uh, Bayern Frankfurt game, where there was almost a fight on the sidelines, you know, on the, on the touchline. Uh, it got pretty feisty. You could tell that uh, Frankfurt were, I mean, yeah, in that second half, definitely going in harder on the tackles and and just kind of whether it was the the, the coach at halftime saying, "Hey, don't let them kind of run over us. We need to. You know, we were one match away here from from the final." Um, I mean, let's go for it. And, and actually, the scoreline was pretty close. But like you said, in the first half, Bayern definitely dominated it. It could have been like two or three goals uh, up for Bayern, but they didn't get it. So, I mean, uh, Frankfurt had that opportunity. 
So the one thing about um, Adrian Healy, too, um, that I heard a few months ago, and I, I don't think I've, I've mentioned it until now, is that according to my sources, he's going to be the lead commentator uh, for the Bundesliga next season on ESPN. And I don't think it was any coincidence that we had uh, Adrian doing the Tuesday and Wednesday broadcast with Taylor Twelman. So it's likely that the both of them will be paired up. And for next season, um, what we're hearing so far still is that there'll be four games a season on television. So it's not going to be week in, week out. But then the big question mark is about ESPN Plus and all those other games. Um, will those feature you mean, an American commentary duo uh, as the commentators or will they rely on the word, the world feed? So, so if you're, if, you're, if listeners, if you're a fan of Adrian Healy, then I mean, for the Bundesliga, he'll be here next season. And it's not that he's bad; it's just that I, th- I think it's some in some ways, um, I don't know. I, it's not my favorite. So let me put it that way. Nothing negative. Just it just doesn't excite me as much as say, I don't know, a Derek Gray or a, I don't know, a Nick Webster. <laughs> well, I have to say, you know, the the, the world feed. Um, I think you know if, if 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 the commentators are in the stadium, then it's it's a no brainer. You know you've, you've you've got to take the commentators. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't and it doesn't cost that much money. Um, in fact, it probably costs you less money because there's far less production costs. So it's you know the only reason for uh, putting your own commentators in 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 a situation like that is so that you can promote other shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're using the world feed, they're not going to say, "I'm ESPN coming up next." We have, you know, the NFL or you know, a talk show or something like that. So, um, but it, it, you know, to to actually uh, bring in two people, sound guys, you know, you could have TDs, uh, directors, producers, makeup, graphics people. Right. It's, it's actually really quite expensive to uh, to put on a uh, production like that. So it's an interesting move by ESPN and and. Perhaps, um, you know, they're, they're, you know, from ESPN Plus, which I get and I think is a, you know, a great value. Here you go, ESPN, here's your plug, four ninety nine a month. It's a fantastic value. I'm sure it's going to go up in price. Um, but ESPN are making a play back into the football market again. There's no two ways about it. Yeah, and as far as cross-promotion to, of course, they've got Serie A. Uh, they're going to have the Euro 2020, if it remains that same name uh, for, for next summer. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of things to talk about, as well as World Cup qualifiers, as, uh, Major League Soccer, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, that's a great point, Nick, as far as uh, having the opportunity to have uh, Adrian and a, a, a Taylor in the studio and kind of talking for a few minutes about some um, something coming up that weekend or something coming up next week that gives them the opportunity there. So also this week, too, we had the uh, debut of La Liga uh, returning to action uh, on Thursday. We had uh, Sevilla against uh, Real Betis in the uh, Seville derby. And uh, it's the first game uh, with La Liga with a return. And what we got is the artificial crowd noise. So that was a little bit that was well done. No complaints there. It was a little bit uh, more subdued, perhaps, than, than the Bundesliga. It was a good background noise. Um, but the big difference with La Liga uh, for the first game and, and moving forward is that they're, they're using, using technology. Uh, instead of having the empty seats in the stadium, what they're doing is um, having it uh, using virtual technology to basically it's uh, was it's um, augmented reality to go ahead and actually um, put a mosaic of club shirts and club uh, colors into the seats. So 
for someone that's in a bar and sees a television on in the background, hears a crowd noise and sees kind of this uh, red and white uh, kind of colours in the stadium, they might think for a split second, maybe if, if they've had a drink or two, that, that those are not that those are real people, but obviously they're not. Um, did you get a chance to watch this one, Nick, on, on the uh, and get your thoughts? Yes, I did, actually. Um, you know what? It, it's obviously a work in progress. You know, this was the first time they've used it. And so, you know, there, there was bod jobs here and there, uh, especially on the replays. They didn't know how to uh, put in the, uh, the, the, the mosaic. But, uh, you know, overall, I think from a visual standpoint, when, when they got it right, it wasn't bad, actually. Um, it, was down, it was done mainly on the lower tier. So on the upper tier where the, where the wide shot got uh, higher and wider, you did see the empty seats, which, you know, as, as, as a producer, I would have been like, no, don't show the empty seats. Um, <laughs> right. If, if we go to the mosaic. Um, I was actually disappointed with the, with the crowd noise. I, th- I thought, you know, and, and obviously, uh, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with the severe derbies, probably one of the hottest derbies in world football. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would have been tempted to turn it up because I was I was listening to it actually on a Spanish feed and the the Spanish commentators were so boring, which um, was amazing to me because you know if if I'm given the choice between uh, a terrible English commentator or an excitable Spanish commentator, I go Spanish every single time um, because I think they really have a flavour for the for the game. So I'm not sure who the Spanish commentators were. Um, so I'm going to give them a big D minus, but I, th- I think the idea of of putting in a crowd, even even, even though it you know it's fake, I, I I actually don't have a problem with it because you know the, the color and sounds of football are part of what makes it so special. Yeah, absolutely, and and I think the sound I agree with you. It, it seemed to be a little bit subdued, and and for a Seville derby with those two teams, and and in previous matches, it's been close encounters, really close matches, really fever pitch, uh, a lot of kind of uh, a lot of tackles, and I mean we were missing that. So um, so La Liga, which I know they listen, you know, I mean turn up that volume a little bit, just get, give us that more of that passion. Um, but but the mosaic was okay. I, I guess I was expecting when they first announced it and said there'd be virtual fans. I was expecting something out of uh, the FIFA 20 video game where you have you know these people moving or waving scarves or things like that. But I think in hindsight, it's actually what they're doing is probably better anyway. Where it is more subdued in terms of the, the visuals, um, rather than it being distracting. What rather than you focusing on on you mean some I don't know some uh, virtual fans in the stadium and trying to concentrate on that rather than concentrating on the uh, the player movement or the shape of uh, the players on the pitch, etc. But yeah, overall, it's a good start and it's good to have uh, La Liga back. And uh, of course, this weekend, uh, Mallorca against um, uh, Barcelona, I think on Saturday, and then uh, Real Madrid is on Sunday. So some big matches there to look forward to. Well, I'm just wondering if if the Premier League are going to do that because I'll be honest with you, Chris. Seeing the 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 virtual mosaic is a lot more pleasing to the eye than empty seats. Yes, you know, em- yeah. Empty seats give, and you know the the Germans call it a ghost game, and 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 to be honest with you, that's how it feels when you see the empty seats. It 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 suddenly it diminishes the importance of the game. And look, as uh, Arrigo Sarchi said, you know. Football's the most important thing of the least important things, you know. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, for someone who's been starved of it, you know, you, you you don't want to. And this is me just being very very selfish. 
But I don't want to see football relegated as a, as, as a second-tier sport. And, and without fans, I'll be honest with you, it, it, it has a whiff of second-tier about it. Yeah, it's not the same by any means. I mean, that's one of the things that pulls in a lot of people that may have not uh, been football fans or soccer fans in the very beginning, but might have tuned into, a, say, a Fox soccer channel or tuned into an ESPN and heard the noise and the singing and the chanting and, and the songs and the banter and thought, OK, this 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 feels like a little bit like college football, but completely different. And uh, it's it's definitely an attraction. But but that's a good segue, Nick, too, because um, I just got off a phone call this afternoon with NBC Sports to learn more about the Premier League uh, television coverage and what we can expect starting next week. And uh, what they're going to do for the Premier League is uh, they're going to have a tarp that's going to be on the lower seats around uh, most of the grounds. And there, we'll have to wait and see what it looks like, but there'll be banners or there'll be uh, colours or scarves. Or, so you'll at least get some colour rather than just, just the empty seats. So, so that's a good start. In terms of some of the other things that they're planning, uh, they will have a on television, every game will have a artificial crowd noise. I think they're calling it atmospheric enhanced uh, audio. And what they're doing is uh, they've worked together with EA Sports and they have about 92 different uh, types of cheers and chants. And they, they're going to be using that and sampling that, but it's going to be customized to each ground. So, for example, if uh, if hypothetically, uh, Nick, if you're an Arsenal supporter and uh, you, you mean, you're used to hearing kind of the you know, Arsenal from, from the Emirates or those types of uh, songs or chants, uh, you will hear those during the home Arsenal matches that are going to, going to be on um, NBC Sports. And actually, this is going to be global too. So it's not just NBC Sports, uh, BT Sports, uh, Sky Sports, etc. All, all the broadcasters are, are going to be using that. And uh, no virtual fans. So they are not going to do anything like that. So um, it sounds like they're taking what the Bundesliga has been doing and uh, also now La Liga and um, enhancing that. And actually, La Liga was supposed to be using uh, EA Sports audio too, so it'll be similar to the EA Sports. But uh, but so far, I think the Bundesliga has done the best job of, of it. I was just blown away by how much better it got game after game, and even even down to, like say, a player getting a yellow card or like a, a feisty tackle and hearing the fans booing. Uh, sounded completely natural, but, but that's what the uh, NBC Sports guys are planning for next week. And then speaking of next week, so the, the league will return on Wednesday. Got two matches, two um, uh, make-up matches, matches that were postponed earlier in the season. So we've got uh, Sheffield United against Aston Villa, followed by Manchester City against Arsenal. And then on June 20th, um, it's a full calendar. And the big difference with this one will be that um, the games that are usually on NBC Sports Gold will continue to be on NBC Sports Gold. But NBC is launching their streaming package called Peacock. And what a name. And and so those games that are on NBC Sports Gold will also be on Peacock. So for all the details about Peacock um, and what it is and how to get it and how much it costs, uh, I've got an article that goes into a lot of depth, uh, in-depth uh, answers, questions uh, and detail. Uh, and that's on the homepage of worldsoccertalk.com. So Nick, Based on those plans, you're okay with that in terms of uh, how that sounds for the Premier League? Well, it's going to be a smorgasbord of football. I mean, it's a good job uh, I'm unemployed right now because uh, I would get fired from my job if I was. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, mean, I looked at the schedule and, 
you know, after after the uh, the games on Wednesday, I mean, it's it's just you know, it's every every single day, um, which is which is great for us uh, lovers of football. Um, you know, I think NBC look, they they've done a tremendous job since uh, taking over from uh, Fox with the Premier League. I think they give the the sport its due. Uh, they've put a lot of money behind it. Their productions production values are always very very good. And uh, it, it looks like they're 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 picking up the baton where they left off. Um, the interesting thing for me is going to be, you know, I mean, I, I would look at it from a bottom line perspective. Now, there's a lot of midweek games, and uh, as you know, they 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 kick off, you know, at noon and uh, two and and four and whatnot. Uh, just in terms of viewership, I, I think it's going to just you know collapse. Um, and 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 they'll possibly lose a lot of money on it. Um, how that's going to dull their appetite in the future, I think, uh, remains to be seen. I mean, I'm sure they've they've put in budgeting plans where they where they realise that advertisers aren't going to be uh, flooding uh, flooding their airways. So um, yeah, uh, but I, no, re- really excited about the the amount of football we're going to be seeing uh, over the next uh, two months. Yeah, it's interesting too because what's happening in the UK is that, uh, for example, the championship, the championship clubs, each of them uh, have agreed to a rebate, so they're paying back uh, Sky Sky Sports. Uh, I think it's I think it's about ten million pounds. So each of the clubs is giving back money to Sky Sports as a way of saying like, hey, you mean the season uh, got screwed up? Uh, yes, um, all the games that are left in the in the regular season, the championship, but a lot of them will be available available for free or at low cost uh, to season ticket holders. So it's kind of their way of saying, hey, sorry, but here you go. And I wonder too, this is probably something we won't hear much about, at least not for a while, whether the the global broadcasters of the Premier League, whether there's a a deal cut um, or some type of behind the scenes deal agreement reached where uh, NBC Sports can say like, hey, we were planning on having these games during the weekends, we were having uh, planning on having Championship Sunday. I mean, all these I mean, great things happening, and all of a sudden, this stuff happened. Um, yeah, it's a good point. From NBC's perspective, what they're saying to me, and again, to you, this is just them saying this, but they're saying that because everyone's working from home, or there's more and more people working from home, that the, the difference between week, weekends and weekdays are now pretty slim. So that uh, they're, they're banking on, banking on or thinking that those weekday uh, games, those the noon or one pm or two pm in the afternoon, they'll actually get a lot of viewers for that. That's it. That, but at the same time, too, you got La Liga playing games every single day. I think through July nineteenth, uh, the Premier League is playing thirty five live games in the next forty days across NBC Sports. Once that starts up next week, and then you've got Major League Soccer too that, that is going to be playing their tournament uh, starting in uh, in July. So lots of different things going on there too. But uh, yeah, we'll keep a close eye on those viewing numbers and see uh, how things uh, go for NBC Sports and everyone else. Next up in the news, fans of Italian soccer will be glad to hear that ESPN has decided to move several key matches to air on the flagship ESPN TV network in the next two weeks. 
They include a handful of Serie A matches in addition to the Coppa Italia final. With the Italian season scheduled to restart on June 20th, there's a huge title race on the line, plus the Coppa Italia semi-finals kick-off this weekend on ESPN Plus with the prospect of Juventus or Milan facing Napoli or Inter in next week's final. ESPN's decision to move several of these uh, Serie A games to television, uh, numbering about four or five, is a positive move for for Serie A fans and soccer fans in the United States. The games that have been moved to the Big East ESPN network include Lecce against Milan, Spal against Calgary, uh, Genoa against Parma, Atalanta against Lazio, and there may be more to come uh, in the coming weeks, uh, either to ESPN and or ESPN2. All of the other games will be on ESPN+, Plus, the streaming platform. Now, Nick, uh, moving on to another piece of news, and that's Major League Soccer. Major League Soccer has officially announced that it's launching their World Cup-style tournament beginning July 8th with, with 26 teams. 54 matches will be played um, at ESPN Wide World of Sports near Disney World. Uh, the games are going to be played every day at 9 a.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Eastern, and 10.30 uh, p.m. Eastern. Matches will be televised across ESPN, Fox Sports, and Tuduene, and uh, the winner will get a berth in next year's CONCACAF Champions League. Plus, I think there's going to be some prize money totaling about $1.1 million. And uh, the final will be played on August 11th. What's your take on this, Nick, as far as um, what Major League Soccer is planning? Is is this taking the best of a bad situation? No, I'm not. I'm, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure what the the idea behind this is. And, you know, I mean, I, look, I, I know it's it's rude to equate MLS with, with Europe, but when you talk about $1.1 million prize pool, okay, that's a prize pool. Mm-hmm. That's not, you know, for the winner. And you go $1.1 million, well, that's, uh, that's someone's month, a month's wages in the Premier League, <laughs> you know, yep. for a top player. So, I mean, it, it really is a pittance. Um, now, I, I, I'm not sure what the idea is. Um, you know, obviously, you know, no fans and – um, the 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 complex there, you know, it's not like it's huge stadiums either. So it's almost, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's almost going to have the feel of like a park kickabout, mm-hmm. um, in unless there's some other way that they can make the the images grander. Um, so that that's a concern for me. Uh, concern number two is the fact that. Um, you know, the, these will be the first games back for these teams. I, I don't think they're doing friendlies, uh, you know, other than in-house uh, against each other. So, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about, you know, the, the quality of the football. And then um, the fact that these points transfer to the regular season, is that what we're calling it now? Correct. When yep. uh, at the end of the tournament, um, it just, you know, <laughs> I mean, God bless them, you know. It's it's fantastic that, you know, MLS is back. Um, but I'm not sure why they had to do it in this particular format that has a bit of Mickey Mouse about it. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, the draw, so you, you've gone, you know, Western Conference only, draw Eastern Conference only. Uh, 
I, I would have been more tempted to, you know, mix it up a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit lopsided. You know, you've, you've got five groups of four and then one group of six. Um, so, yeah. But, you know, once again, football's back. We're happy for that. Um, and it'll, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what kind of viewership um, MLS gets, because like you said, you know, they're going to be up against the big boys. They're going to be up against the Premier League, the Serie A, La Liga and the Bundesliga. All the leagues are back. They're all playing at the same time. It's great for football fans, but I don't, I'm not sure it's going to be great for uh, MLS. Yeah, I think the, the, this one really falls on ESPN in many ways because it, this could be a make-or-break tournament uh, depending on how ESPN does because ESPN's taking all taking over all of the production of all the games and, and producing effectively what, what is a world feed, almost being a host broadcaster and saying, okay, we're going to take care of everything in terms of all the cameras. We're going to add cameras. We're going to have what they're, they're talking about having virtual advertising. So I'm sure like advertising signboards around the pitch and make, making that virtual so they can change that throughout the games. But like you said, Nick, it, it is very much a, a park environment. It is very open. So if there's a way for them to, because even the sound too, the sound is going to travel. I mean, you're going to have you know, 22 players on the pitch. I mean, you hear them. And yes, you can add the crowd noise. It's going to be a lot of work for ESPN to get this to a point it's probably going to be one of the hardest jobs they've, they've ever had to get this to a point where it is TV production, TV friendly and something that is um, a, ple- a pleasure to watch where it brings the viewer in uh, it engages them. It keeps them hooked and makes it exciting. And this is I mean, if ESPN can perfect that, then that will make a difference. Uh, if it's if it does feel like more of a park feel to it and you have the, the virtual signboards around the side. But I mean, the rest of it's pretty much wide open and you do the best with what you have then then that's not going to be a good look but um the other factor about this too nick is the the heat and humidity i mean that's the reason they're playing the games at 9 a.m in the morning uh, but as you know who you're someone who's lived in florida too that uh, even by say 10 o'clock in the morning 11 o'clock in the morning you're still you know, sweating bullets or sweating bu- buckets uh, and this is going to be a, t- a toll, even playing games late at night too, 8 a.m., uh, 8 p.m. and 10.30 uh, Eastern uh, p.m. It's still going to be a toll on your body. And the, m- the amount of games that they're playing in a very short period of time, um, there's going to be a lot of rotation. There's probably going to be some injuries, but this is going to take a lot of physical toll on the players. And, and I think it is going to impact the, the actual um, the quality of the football on the pitch. Now, yeah, we t- go ahead. Sorry. Well, you talk about product and, you know, f- let's be honest, f- football is a product. Um, ESPN, they're going to get plenty of opportunities to, to get it right now. So let's just, you know, for your listeners, I, I would imagine the first two or three days are going to be awful. Yep. OK, until they figure out how it's going to look. So I, I would say be patient. But to your point, uh, you know, weather is a huge impact here in Florida. And these players haven't had a proper preseason. I think there is going to be a ton of injuries. I think the quality of football is probably going to be very poor. And I, th- I actually think MLS and ESPN are taking a bit of a gamble here because this is, you know, one of their, let's say, marquee, uh, marquee leagues. They're trying to create an event out of thin air. And if it backfires, 
it's going to cost them a lot of money and they're going to they're going to probably lose um lose viewers because as we've just pointed out they're up against the top leagues in the world and you're given a choice between the Philadelphia Union uh, versus the San Jose Earthquakes and Arsenal Man City well you know, yes, I'm biased, but you know, even the the non-casual football fan is going to flick from one to the other and go, "Oh, I know what I'm going to watch." Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of it. A lot of it. This is about the image of the league and uh, the image that they portray, and and in many ways, even going to back to the draw that they had on Thursday is that uh, without telling anyone ahead of time, and there was a uh, a media conference call with the press on Wednesday that I was part of too, they didn't mention a word of this, but they went ahead right about an hour before the actual draw happened and said, oh, by the way, uh, we've gone ahead and slotted uh, Miami into the same group as Orlando. And uh, even though there's going to be a live draw later this afternoon, uh, we've already kind of established uh, one of the games that's going to be played. So, I mean, yes, you can watch the draw and see what else happens as far as the other teams go. But we're we're basically scripting this. We're, we're trying to make this, creating this out of thin air, trying to make this into something that's going to be a, a television product, that's going to be something um, of interest uh, to the TV viewers and uh, being in control of this rather than it being more of a... A live draw. I mean, you, I mean, whether it's a World Cup draw, or a Champions League draw, and Europa League draw, those things are things you watch and it's suspense. You you don't know which team is going to get pulled out of which, uh, you know, um, which which bucket or which bowl uh, to to actually find out. So I think in many ways uh, by MLS doing this at, at the last minute without telling anyone um, wasn't a good look. Uh, hopefully they'll learn from this and. And really, I mean, Inter-Miami has only played two games in their history. They haven't won any matches yet. Orlando's a pretty terrible team, unfortunately. So they're trying to create this, make this into a Florida derby. And um, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it'll be exciting. Maybe they'll pull it off and maybe it'll be great entertainment. But that's what it feels like to me. It feels like more like uh, entertainment, almost like script, they've scripted this rather than it being based on sporting merit where perhaps, you mean, Miami and Orlando are in different groups and maybe they meet in the quarterfinals or something like that where they actually deserve to play, be playing against each other than, rather than being, okay, we're going to orchestrate this and, and put this together. Now, well, Nick, the other thing is just that they're, you know, quarantine uh, players and uh, uh, it's, a, yeah, it, it really, yeah. they, I think they're just, it's a big gamble. And you know what, I'm, I'm pulling for them to, uh, to pull it off. Um, and I hope they do pull it off. But yeah, I I I can see players getting into a bit of trouble um, because they're you know they're they're stuck in the, the in in Orlando at, at this uh, at this complex, which is really um, you know Orlando, the middle of the state. I mean, it's just it's hotter than balls there. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 going to be interesting. Uh, I I would not be surprised if a couple of teams just roll over and go. Oh, I can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> right, exactly. Just to kind of get escape from the heat and and go back to uh, their families. And uh, yeah, it, it, and for me, I, I I do have. I mean, I do 
I hope that this works out well, this tournament. And, and I think a lot of that for me is um, I have a lot of uh, faith and trust in ESPN to do the right thing. And I, I know that they will try their hardest to make this into a good looking product on television. But like you said, too, the first weekend's probably going to be hit and miss. Uh, there's, they're going to be learning things on the fly, but um, hopefully it'll all work out. Um, but there well, is. Like I said, you know, the most important thing for me, Chris, is, it, uh, is that it doesn't look like a park with a game of football. Right, you know, right. Because I, I, I really think you're diminishing your product if that's if that's the look that we're gonna, if that's the look we're gonna see. Exactly. So moving on to the news, uh, one one more thing too, and that is that uh, Telemundo is celebrating the 20th anniversary of Andres Cantor, uh, his career on the Spanish language channel. Uh, he'll be returning to the U.S. airwaves next week for Telemundo's coverage of the Premier League. And uh, they will be broadcasting the Man City Arsenal game on the Wednesday. And uh, Andres Cantor is going to be doing the commentary on that one. Kind of a classic all-time American uh, commentator uh, with roots from Argentina. And last but not least, too, the Turkish Super League is coming back on Friday. The first game is airing on uh, Bein Sports Extra uh, and also Bein Sports Connect. And it's uh, Fenerbahce against uh, Kai Serispor. And that's at 2 p.m. Eastern. Moving on to TV ratings, uh, just from this past week, uh, we just have some of the, the Bundesliga numbers. And as we've seen since the Bundesliga came back on May 16th, it uh, started off pretty well in the 300s in terms of you know, 350,000 people watching that. But as each week has gone by, those numbers have dropped and dropped. Uh, we're down to about 216,000 for uh, Leverkusen against uh, Bayern Munich um, on the Saturday match. And I think part of it, too, is that, um, I mean, the title race is effectively over. Uh, Bayern Munich has a chance to win it on Saturday if Dortmund drops some points. And um, I think fans, are, uh, you mean, are wanting, whether it's La Liga, Serie A, whether it's the Premier League, uh, wanting to get back into a league that has a real good title race. And, and then going back to MLS for a minute, too. And that's the thing, that too, if these games, yes, there's a, a cup at the end of this a competition, but uh, hopefully the games are kind of very competitive and, you mean, you mean underdogs and, you mean, you, you mean, whether it's whichever teams are playing in the latter rounds, uh, hopefully there's a good story there and some good football. All right. Yeah, and I, I'd say to, you, to viewers, if you, if you go to Google Maps and, and put in the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex, hopefully the pitches don't look like the ones I'm seeing right now. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been there a bunch of times, too, because my daughter, she used to play um, uh, DA and, and she plays and different different leagues, kind of ECNL leagues and stuff like that. So we've we've gone there and played many many tournaments there, um, and actually the pitches are pretty good. I mean they ha- they have some that are on the uh, baseball pitches that they have, but, but for the most part it's um, full size, um, relatively decent. They're not they're not professional level, but they're they should be good enough for um, for the tournament. So listener mailbag, we've got some uh, comments from some some of our listeners. Uh, first up is Kyle Green. He was saying, I was listening to your most recent episode and in reference to your discussion about 80s football in England and specifically Man City and Chelsea before they had a lot of money. There is a book by Tim Rich called Court Behind the Landslide about the club in the 1990s. Also, Clive Batty wrote two books about Chelsea that cover the 60s, 70s and 80s. The first is Kings of the Road, and the second is A Serious Case of the Blues. Also a Liverpool fan, um, as a Liverpool fan, the book Two Tribes by Tony Evans is a great look, not only on Liverpool and Everton, 
but gives a great feel for the period and specifically the first season when English clubs were banned from Europe. So what about you, Nick? Have you, uh, you a uh, Nick Hornby uh, connoisseur? Like kind of reading well, of course, Fever Pitch? I, mean, I think it's a rite of passage to, to read Fever Pitch. Uh, so always enjoyed that. You know, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of anything to do with football. So uh, right now, uh, you know, in front of me, because I am uh, in the middle of this Masters, I have uh, Alex Ferguson's leading. Nice. And uh, I've got coaching the 442. And uh, I have a leading change by Cotter and uh, coaching with heart by uh, Jerry Lynch. So lots of lots of fascinating reading for me. Huh, OK, yeah, there's some good ones there. So a couple of ones I'm not familiar with, but it's uh, always good stuff. Uh, next up is the original Tom. And the original Tom says, thanks for the pod, the pod, guys. I find I'm not into the Bundesliga return as much as I thought I'd be. I guess between the long pause, the summer weather... And the lack of a title race, I've moved on. Hope Major League Soccer can restart and can't wait to get back to the stadium. Leo says, Mr. Harris, at it again. Bundesliga is not football as it's meant to be. You must be the number one Bundesliga hater in America. For Bundesliga, you criticize or look at the fact that Bayern almost uh, have it in the bag. But for the Premier League, you want to try to enjoy the football itself and blind yourself to the big distance that Liverpool had. Bet you don't even mention that on the future podcasts, he says. Uh, you are a Premier League Taliban, <laughs> said, as said before. And, and it's funny too, Nick, because obviously Leo got pretty uh, upset there about my Bundesliga comment, which I was saying that, that it was saying that this is not football as it's meant to be. Like A league is meant to be more competitive, not meant to be Bayern Munich winning 6-0, 5-1, 4-0, these games, you mean... Uh, it's meant to be a little bit more competitive. It's meant to be two-sided. Uh, I think Leo got upset by that. But um, but the other thing, too, about uh, the Bundesliga slogan, that there is soccer is football as it's meant to be. Meant to, be. Uh, to me, it comes off as being very egotistical and elitist. And uh, what does it say about the, the German league when they themselves claim that their league is, is how the, the sport is supposed to be? And yes, I do love the Bundesliga. Yes, I do enjoy the Premier League, and the Premier League is not perfect by any means. But uh, I just, I don't, I don't know, just that that always kind of um, rattles me a little bit too when it's football as it's meant to be. Like, who's who says that? I mean, obviously, it's in their own interest to say that. But uh, what for you, Nick, is is the purest uh, football league that uh, you've seen or you enjoy? Well, obviously, you know, I'm a big fan of the Premier League, but, uh, you know, th- this year has been a, a, a walk in the park for Liverpool and, and deservedly so. Uh, you know, I understand why the uh, the Bundesliga has that slogan. And the reason being is that the supporters, uh, you know, own 49% of many of the clubs. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they still have a voice in it, whereas the uh, Premier League is almost like the NFL these days. It's a closed shop, uh, you know, billionaire owners and... Um, you know they they really do as they please, whereas the the Bundesliga they they have more uh, more people to answer to, um, should we say? Um, you know, I, look any any league that uh, is uh, has a race has a a, a good competition is is going to get my uh, attention because you know the games are just so competitive and you know it's it's you know back to the Premier League very quickly. It will be interesting to see what happens because you know the. The, the bread and butter of the Premier League has always been, you know, the bottom team can beat the top team on any given day. And that usually happens, though, at home because there's, you know, 
40, 50,000, you know, supporters egging them along. Um, you know, when when uh, Liverpool play Norwich next time, are they going to absolutely ram them because they are by far a superior team and, and Norwich won't have that um, that boost of playing at Carroll Road in front of 30,000 uh, delirious canaries? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, that's, that's, that's going to be a very interesting thing for me. Um, but... Uh, Look, you know, I'll always, I'll always be a big fan of the Premiership, but you know, my heart, Chris, I'm, I'm a football junkie, and I'll watch anything. Yeah, me, me too. I'm very much equal opportunity uh, for me. I enjoy the, the Championship. Uh, to me, the Championship is reminds me of what the Premier League used to be in the early, early to mid '90s, where it was more. Um, upside down you, you you had no idea going into any match which team would win and and that's been kind of what the premier league kind of has tried to paint as a picture from say the last few years uh it's not quite that but you do have once now and again you do have a norwich that does upset one of the, the big boys um but in the bundesliga that seems to happen a lot less it's it's very i mean it's in the, t- the top in you know, the Bayerns are kind of so far ahead. It, it just seems very unlikely that uh, a Fortuna Dusseldorf is going to beat uh, Bayern Munich. Um, the gap just seems to be that much wider. So just a couple more comments from our listeners too. Um, Robert says a billion dollars. This is talking about Major League Soccer and Don Garber mentioning that a uh, billion dollars as far as um, his uh, estimated uh, loss that MLS is going to get hit by. Um so Robert says this is that is some serious cash. Did uh, MLS really lose that much revenue? If so, where would it have come from? This was po- probably a poor us comment during the negotiations. Now the league will probably be down big money by the end uh, of the current season, as stated uh, by Mister Original, one of our other listeners. At least we will have our league back. Uh, JP Manning says you two uh, casually claimed that uh, my club, San Jose Earthquakes, has no identity. And JP added some facts here. He says, founded in 1974, a two-time MLS Cup winner, have the leading goal scorer in league history. Um, Matias Alameda is one of the most respected coaches in the Americas. We play a unique man-marking style you don't see anywhere else in Major League Soccer, EPL or Bundesliga. And all these streaming firms you go on about are within, within five miles of our stadium, which represents one of the best and strongest metro areas in the world. And my, my comment, Nick, about this was, um, I think I think it was last week's podcast where I was talking about the MLS tournament idea. And I said that um, it's going to be hard to get national viewers tuning in for, say, a Colorado against Sporting Kansas City game, because like, locally within those areas, there's there's a fan base there's there's a community but nationally uh, there's just not a lot of interest and it just just so happens that uh, Colorado ends up uh, being picked into the same group as Sporting Kansas City I did not know that ahead of time but um, but JP coming back was saying that uh, we were saying too that uh, the clubs that do have identities in Major League Soccer are more your DC United from historically speaking your uh, LAFC in terms of the playing style also, Atlanta United, Seattle, Portland. But a lot of the other clubs are very much kind of one and, one and the same. There's not much of an identity. And San Jose definitely have a huge history and a huge um, impact on the game in this country. But um, looking back, I think last year's TV schedule for all of 2019, I think um, San Jose was on television twice nationally, and both of those games were against LA Galaxy in the uh, the, the Cali Classico. 
So nationally, on a television-wise, they're they're not being shown. So nationally, it's hard to actually really build a fan base or an identity around a club when they're not being shown shown on national television. Yeah, I mean, so I think it's it's next to impossible. Uh, you know, the lo- local markets uh, will, I guess, uh, try and cover them. But I think you know, with with this you know World Cup style tournament, uh, you know. All, all teams are going to have the opportunity to, to play in front of a national stage, um, which, you know, maybe may, may be a benefit for some teams, um, yeah. you know, to go out there and show the American public exactly what they're about. Uh, it's, but, you know, I, I always come back to the fact that, you know, they, they, these clubs haven't really had a preseason. Um, you know, I, I just have a feeling that the, uh, the football is going to be very, very rusty. Um, yeah, it's, so, it's going to be a roll of the dice, I think, in many ways, too. I think, And I think MLS is looking at this saying, OK, like, do we just like, call the end of the season and just abandon it and just come back next uh, next January or next February, say February, and, and call the whole thing off? But then that puts them into an awkward position because of the, the TV rights deal ends at the end of the 2022 season. And they're banking on that big time of uh, having it be a massive contract lots of bidders and trying to have that contract, I'm sure, through 2026 and beyond with the World Cup and combining the, the women and the men, U.S. national team uh, teams into that. So that that would throw a spanner in the works in, in terms of the TV deal if they had to abandon the season and try and figure out um, what to do with that. So, yeah, I think it, they were in an awkward position where they had to do something and this is the best that they came up, up with and, and we'll see how it does. I mean, hopefully it'll be um, better than what I expected to be. I'm, I'm not super excited about it, but maybe, maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. And then last question from one of the listeners or comment is from Bill Reese, And he says, not sure if you guys saw this, but Liga MX's uh, Monarchus Morelia are no more. They've moved to the Pacific Coast and are now uh, Mazatlan FC. Can only imagine the uproar if someone tried to do this in American sports in the middle of a pandemic. I have a passing interest in Liga MX and I know nothing about this until it happened. Barely a blip on the English-speaking sports media radar here in the US. Poor Monarchus. And and this is something, too, I've, I've been watching from a distance and kind of reading the stories about it, but... Uh, it sounds very American, though, uh, Nick, as far as kind of taking a team and then moving that entire team and that identity and moving them to a completely different city in a completely different region. Uh, could you ever see this happening in, in any other major soccer leagues? Well, it's it's the Art Modell uh, mode of, uh, I think it's what he did to the Cleveland Browns, right? Didn't they? They, they up to uh, Indianapolis in the middle of the night and, you know, just... Yep. St- out of there look i i, I think we're going to see it more and more to be honest with you chris um uh, a lot of teams are going to be hurting after this pandemic finally goes away you know we're looking in england right now league two and, uh, and league one have abandoned the season uh and because they you know the thought of playing games in empty stadiums they just can't afford to do it and uh, i think this is one of the reasons why we're seeing mls do this tournament because you know, one-off games in the in your home stadium every other week it costs it costs too much money without any fans. The TV deal for MLS is what ninety million yep. uh, for the year, which is you know, or maybe even for three years, which is peanuts. Um, so yeah, they they've got to do something for the TV stations, i.e. ESPN. Uh, I'm actually surprised Fox isn't involved in it as well. Um, 
but yeah, uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna see teams fold and they're gonna pop up elsewhere. So uh, don't be surprised. Yeah, absolutely. And it's and it's ESPN leading the charge with the world feeds and the production for the tournament of MLS. And then Fox will go ahead and uh, whichever games they get, they'll use that uh, that feed, the, the TV feed, and then on top of that, then add their commentators um, remotely to commentate that game and add their graphics, kind of the score bug in the corner or the, the logo, etc. And the same thing for for the uh, Spanish network, uh, to do NA2, they'll do the same thing to take the ESPN feed and then um, make that in, into their own for, for their own usage. So, um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. And actually, by the time a lot of listeners will hear this podcast, we probably will have the TV schedule for all the MLS games um, on worldsoccertalk.com. So, listeners, if you do have any comments for us, any questions, any uh, things you'd like to raise with us about um, watching soccer on television or streaming or uh, any disagreements or any, any ideas for some topics to talk about, you can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. And Nick, so where can uh, listeners uh, catch up with uh, what you're up to lately and also um, some of the other things that you're working on, kind of maybe behind the scenes to kind of give uh, listeners uh, an update on um, the world of uh, Nick Webster? The world of Nick Webster, yes. Well, I'm currently waiting for the USL season to pick back up again. I've been assisting Eric Winolder with the Las Vegas Lights. Uh, we had one game against the San Diego Loyal, the Winolder versus Donovan clash of ages. Yep. Finished up 1-1, and then the USL season was uh, suspended. Uh, to be honest with you, though, we were far better than the uh, Loyal and should have taken all three points. So looking forward to that. And then uh, I am actually going to be the new uh, assistant coach at UCSB, uh, coaching the uh, the women's team at the University of Santa Barbara. Uh, that season begins on August 1st, so very excited about that. And... Uh, as I said uh, at the top of the show, I'm uh, doing a dissertation on the uh, how to win the mental game of soccer. So uh, it's a, bit, a big paper for me to um, help me get my uh, master's degree in leadership and uh, take over the world. Um, I'm looking to really uh, begin a sports psychology business uh, primarily for uh, football players in this country, girls and boys, and adults and coaches. So any of you out there want some um some help on how to win the mental game and uh, overcome fears, uh, really enhance your strengths and hide your weaknesses, feel free to drop me a line. You can catch me at Nick Webster on Twitter. I am on Facebook at Nick Webster. And uh, if you're really, really desperate to speak to me, get in touch with Chris and he'll give you my email. Absolutely. And Nick, just one more question before we go too. So from the, the kind of the psychological, the mental side of, of a game, a, a person's game, whether they're a, a youth footballer or a, a professional soccer player, how much of a difference does it make? Oh, it's absolutely huge. Uh, you can, at the professional level, you can uh, improve the mental performance of, uh, of a player between 5 and 10%. And then at the youth level, uh, you can just divert, start developing habits that last a lifetime and that goes far beyond what happens on the pitch. So it really is a, a, an entire package of um, a, a different way to um, enhance your mental abilities 
uh, in life, and uh, a byproduct of that would be on the on the uh, on the football pitch. Wow. Yeah. So, listeners, if you do have any questions or want to find out more information about that, definitely hit up uh, hit up uh, Nick on on Twitter, or feel free free to email me, and I can get you that information. So thank you for listening, everyone. You can get a new episode of the podcast every Thursday across uh, iTunes and all the podcast players. And if you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review on iTunes and enjoy your football. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.